0: Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, it's good to be together in your presence to praise you and praise you and praise you. We can never, ever praise you enough, Father. But we thank you that in Christ we have all of eternity to offer you our praise, to honor you, and to worship you. Worship you unhindered by the things that Now we find in the way of our lives the limitations that we have, the physical limitations, Father, that we have that we long to be freed from, to just offer our fullness, a fullness of all that we could to worship you and praise you. Thank you for those who've gathered this morning to praise you and to hear from you to call out to you in song and in prayer, and to hear from your word. What is it you want to say to us today, Lord? What is your message to us? Father, I pray that you would incline our hearts right now to, to develop an atmosphere of welcoming the word of God. To say to you, Lord Jesus, whatever you want to say to me, I want to receive and respond to. I want to... I want to be open to what you have for me. Father, if it's a change of direction, if it's, a, if it's, if it's something that I have not previously taken care of with you, I want to do that today. Lord, I want to I be an obedient servant of the Lord. I, Lord, I, I want my life to reflect the truth of what it means to be a servant of the living Christ, the God of the universe. I want to settle for nothing less than that, Lord. I want my life to reflect what I truly believe about you, that you are Lord of my life. Not I, but Christ. And so, our Father, this morning, we offer ourselves to you and we ask that you would fill us with your presence, with your power. Show us your might, Father, today among us. Show us your Lordship among us. I pray, Father, that you would begin to do a a greater work among this congregation. Lord, um, I, I pray that we would be hungry for the things of God. I pray that we would long to reach into the recesses, the places that have not been reached for the Lord in this community. I pray, Father, that we would long to increase your name and fame in this region and around the world. I pray, Father, that we would would long for exploits of the power of God that we have yet to experience. I pray, Father, that we would not settle for the mundane, but we would only desire the magnificence of God among us. And so now as we turn to your word, Father, I pray that the power of God's spirit would work in our hearts among us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I always have to adjust to this first Sunday of gathering together because I get used to Sunday by Sunday looking out at a very familiar picture of where everybody is. And that helps me with my attendance keeping. And I'm looking around and like muscle is over there. It's like... I, I, I'm discombobulated, so for a few moments I've got I to scan the horizon here and, and just get this new picture in mind of where you are. Hey, what's with the Facebook thing? How many of you are engaged in Facebook or MySpace or something like that? Lots of you? Hey, don't be ashamed of it, alright? I'm not going to take a shot at this thing. What, what's with the Facebook phenomenon, the, the MySpace phenomenon, the reality show phenomenon? I put those all together because in so many ways they're very similar, don't you think? It seems to me that you're, um, there was a pretty big uh, contingent here who were engaged in this thing. And uh, you, you seem to be a, among the, the major populace of the world. Because I think, I, the last I heard, there's like 800 million people on Facebook. And uh, that puts a, that's a pretty significant, uh, pretty, pretty significant uh, amount of the uh, world's population. In fact, some of the interesting facts about Facebook, it it is is the number one ranked website in the U.S. since March the 9th, 2010. It is also the top social networking site in, in the U.K., Canada, Brazil, France, Australia, New Zealand, Hong Kong, and Singapore. The word Facebook, by the way, is the most searched term in the U.S. since July 2009. 400 billion page views in the U.S. so far this year. Which means 1.6 billion visits a week or 229 million U.S. visits a day. Is anybody doing anything else but hanging out at Facebook? Between 2005 and 2009, Facebook doubled its traffic every year. Well, I I think that... um, as you think about this phenomenon of, of MySpace, Facebook, reality shows, and what it says about people beyond our, our nosy voyeurism, I suppose, is that everyone wants to belong. Right? I mean, I think that's the message that is is really loud and clear being sent by this. Everyone wants to belong somewhere to someone. No one wants to feel like they're left out or or not wanted, or not part of something that's someone that's wanted. I, I mean, your whole day can be ruined when you're dropped by a Facebook friend, can't it? I mean, honestly, and, and, and what about when you're called from a friend's list? You realize that now I'm not part of the top 5,000 people in their, in their life. It kind of hurts that you are now rejected, you're, you're cast out. And so everyone wants to belong, and sometimes, of course... It's who you belong to that really matters. Uh, Do you remember that old um, American Express advertisement that uh, uh, membership has its privileges? Do you remember when a gold card really meant something? you remember if you could get your hands on a gold card and you could slap that baby on the counter, people would look at you in ooh and ah because that person must have a significant income. Now, uh, Now you can be virtually bankrupt and have a a gold card or a platinum card or anything like that. You can't judge anything by what color of card you have. But it used to be that, you know, it was who you belonged to. And then the access that you would gain uh, could be yours because of them. I want you to turn your Bibles this morning because I want to talk to you this morning about belonging. And in particular to belonging to Christ. In fact... um, As we've been working our way through Galatians, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, it states there, before this faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed. So the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. And then he says this, now that faith has come, now that faith has come, what you were trying to get by rules and... And self-discipline, and good behavior, and charity, and, and religion, but were unable to attain what was was unavailable to a sinner like you through those kinds of things. Now has come to you through faith in Jesus Christ. What what as as the message as as the message translation says? Now you have finally arrived at your destiny, at your destination. To be found by faith in Christ. There is no greater belonging than that. There is no greater someone to belong to than Christ. Uh, Paul gets extremely excited as he moves through his letter here and says, Now by faith. You have finally reached your destination, what you had always longed for, that you had tried so hard to get by charity or by rituals or by rules or by self-discipline or by religion. Now you've found it. You belong to Jesus Christ. Well, this morning, I want to just talk to you about four really big deals about what it means to belong to Christ In verse 29 of of that chapter, chapter 3, it it talks about if you belong to Christ. And and that's where I want to go this morning. I want to talk about four big deal things, if you belong to Christ, and what they are. And and they're found in verses 26 to 29. He says, uh, now that faith has come, verse 25, we're no longer under the supervision of the law. But here's what we have now. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all of you were baptized into Christ, or all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You see the four of them there? They're just staring at us. They're jumping out of the text. They're saying, "Look at us. Read us." Get excited about us. In fact, as you're working your way through the letter of Galatians, uh, I I always write in my Bible, there's always a place usually in these letters where there's a a, a climactic point. And I put like a sort of a a little mountain on the side, you know, and put an asterisk. And and that mountain point is right here at verse 26. You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now that... um, That has some really important ramifications to our lives. So this first one is you are all sons of God. You are in direct relationship with God. Now, ladies, please don't be offended by this. You know, there wasn't a collective sigh in here. about We're all sons of God. Wait a second. This is not the time to... To, to pull out some sort of political correctness or, or, or correct the gender language here. God forbid that that would ever be done to this place. Because it would miss the point of this. This is, this is not about, uh, about gender at all. It's about elevated status of life. What it really means to be in Christ. What you really have. You, are, you now have God as your father. He is the head of one family... And you are in, through faith, into that family. And and this this word, the choice of the word sons, which has has been tampered with in some translations, and incorrectly so, tampered by children or something like that, entirely misses the point. In fact, that is the point. The point is you have moved from being children to being sons of God. The whole idea here is that formally, as children, you were restricted by rules. And you know how it is when you're parenting. Don't touch this. Don't do that. Don't eat this. Right? That's what parenting is of children. But when your children grow up, as much as you like to keep trying to do that, you're no longer really invited to have that kind of a relationship with them because the relationship matures. And this is the argument that Paul brings to our, our, by our faith in Christ Jesus, we have moved from being children of don't do this, don't touch that, don't eat this, to be now sons of the living God, of moving to a status whereby we're called adult children of God, no longer infant children. And so this status change as adult family members entrusted, by the way, with the The powerful, internal, transforming work of the Holy Spirit of God who's inside of us. And therefore, because of that, he has now placed his powerful appetites internally in us. So that that we're no longer attempting to be mastered from the outside, don't do this, don't touch this, don't eat this. But now we have been given by the indwelling of the Spirit of God, if we have faith in Jesus Christ, the, the, the appetites of the living God dwell in us. So we are being transformed by Christ's appetites, at least we should be. We should be able to say no to our childish appetites of sin and say yes to divine appetites that honor and please and glorify the living Christ. That's the amazing thing of this status change of being called sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Not only that, not only is he renovating us with this new divine appetite that we have inside of us, but notice throughout these powerful four verses, the word all shows up. It's emphasized, all. If you remember the context of what we're talking about here, the, the Judaizers, the Jews who were, convert, were being converted to Christianity, were looking at Gentiles and basically seeing them as half-converts. They were seeing these half-convert, uncircumcised Gentiles who eat ham sandwiches as not really eligible to be in the family of God. And Paul says, no. All, by virtue of faith in Jesus Christ, have now been granted the status as sons of God. And, And so, in effect, Paul is saying to the people here at the next love feast... We're going to have bacon and eggs, shrimp cocktail. We're going to have dirty hands and a glass of milk. We're going to set up on the Sabbath and we're going to worship together on Sunday. And the Hebrew boys are going to have the curls on the side of their head cut off. And God is going to be incredibly excited about it. That's what he's basically saying here. They're all added by faith in Jesus Christ. So, what does that mean applicationally for us? It's time for all of us to act like sons of God and stop acting like children. And what's the distinguishing marks? Children are led by the law and led by their likes. Adults are led by the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. That's the defining mark. So act like sons of God and stop acting like children. That's the application for our lives here in this first big deal about if you are belonging to Christ. The second is this. Not only is there a new status, but there's a new spiritual wardrobe, new clothing. Look at verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. Perhaps you weren't aware of what happened to you, dynamically and spiritually, when you confessed your faith in Jesus Christ at your baptism. Perhaps you didn't recognize what what happened to you, what really transpired at that time. In fact, again from the message, it was not just... ...washing you up for a fresh start... ...but also involving you in dressing you in adult faith wardrobe. Communion and baptism, those ceremonies that have been given to us as commands of Christ... ...there are spiritual transactions that take place... ...and are only available through those ceremonies. You, you don't acquire the spiritual transactions that take place... Unless you obey and willingly engage and embrace those ceremonies that have been given to us by Christ. Communion and baptism. And I want you to hear me carefully this morning. The writers of the New Testament would be shocked, fundamentally, that that I would probably need to encourage a congregation of people who claim to be believers in Christ to be baptized. Baptized. The New Testament writers would be shocked that we would even spend any time at that at all, because it was simply a reality that if you were by faith in Christ Jesus, a believer and follower of Christ, you were baptized. You followed that commandment of the Lord. You obeyed him. There is no New Testament example of an unbaptized believer, save one The thief on the cross. Who came to know Christ. Was nailed on a cross. And couldn't be baptized. Now if you want to qualify yourself under those circumstances. You get a free pass. But as I'm looking out here this morning. I don't see anybody nailed to a cross. So there is no New Testament example ever. Are you hearing me? Ever. Of an unbaptized believer. Now. It's important for us to to understand the nature of the spiritual transaction that takes place as it's connected here to this benefit of being in Christ, of belonging to Christ. And what takes, what transpires? Baptism dramatizes our salvation. And and, and in itself brings upon you the, the, the loci of God's presence in a powerful way. It is demonstrating that, that there's a new location of Christ who has moved into your life. And you're demonstrating that through the indwelling presence of the Spirit of Christ. Now, we taught you, and the Bible teaches you, that the Holy Spirit is the sign of genuine Christianity. And he baptizes us into Christ. But make no mistake about it, water baptism is the outward sign of a personal response to Christ's lordship, to that authentic faith in Christ. Can I say that again? Water baptism is the outward, the, the only one given in scripture, the outward sign of a personal response to Christ's lordship, Trust in Christ. Honoring Christ. Believing in Christ. Receiving Christ through faith. It is as one writer put it. The sign. The sign. The distinct sign. The distinguishing sign. Of the new community. That belongs to Christ. By virtue of grace alone. And the only one. Baptism is this same writer says, is no more optional than discipleship. Can I get an amen on that? It's no more optional because Jesus Christ embedded baptism himself in discipleship. What did Jesus say? Therefore, go make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey whatsoever things I have commanded you. He embeds the command to be baptized in the whole discipleship reality. Baptism is no more optional than discipleship is. The question that goes forth of our faith Is have you trusted in Christ? Have you received the Holy Spirit? And that act of baptism demonstrates publicly the answer to that. Yes, I have. I have received Christ. I have received the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. I am a follower of Christ. In fact... The picture of baptism is the dirty garments of sin as they're expressed in Isaiah 64 verse 6. Giving way to the robes of the righteousness of Christ in Colossians chapter 3 verses 8 through 15. It's a costume change that takes place and is demonstrated in the waters of baptism. In fact, you have been dyed With the new colors, the true color of Christ. That's why the word baptism is, that word is a Greek word. It's not an English word. It's a word that says to immerse. It was a word that they used for dyeing clothing. They would say, we're going to baptize this shirt. And that's exactly what they did. And they changed the color of it. They put it in the dye. And when you are baptized, you are demonstrating that the colors of your life have been changed from blackness of sin to the true colors of Christ in allegiance to Him. And so I submit to you that it is a command of Christ. If you are a believer in here today, you need to be baptized and put on the true colors of Christ. I would submit to you that there's no reason to anticipate that you get the adult wardrobe of your faith unless you actually go through the waters of baptism by way of obedience to a command of Jesus Christ. Baptism doesn't save you, but I can assure you that rejecting baptism will stunt your spiritual growth. I can assure you of that. If you're not all in, if you're hesitant to model your new wardrobe, why should you think you're going to get the promise of Christ's clothing? And so I would submit to you this morning that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, let the redeemed say so and proclaim it, declare it publicly, who you are. We're commanded, as leaders of a New Testament church, ...to baptize believers. And that's exactly what we're going to do after this service. And I'm putting out a challenge to you this morning. If you are in here this morning... And you, are a, ...and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ... ...you belong to Christ by faith... ...and you have never publicly demonstrated... ...that faith in Christ by baptism... ...this morning, at the end of the service... ...I'm going to offer an invitation for you... ...to come forward and be baptized this morning... ...right on the spot... Right today, declare your allegiance for Jesus Christ. Belong to him. Be baptized. The third of these important, big deal realities of belonging to Christ is this in verse 28. "There's neither Jew nor Greek, save nor free, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all one. In Christ Jesus, this has sadly been a very mishandled text, particularly in our modern context, lifted from the context of the text and made to support what is opposite to the intention of this text. Let me assure you that this text, which has been mishandled, is not and never was intended to be the poster text for, feminist, for a feminist agenda. And that's what it precisely has been increasingly used as. In fact, it's just the opposite. It stands the text on its head when this text is used to, to do anything with tampering with God's great design. This text, this particular verse, has one single focus and one focus alone. And that focus is unity. You are all one in Christ. No matter what your background is. No matter what your nationality is. No matter who you came from or where you came from. Or what your blood is or what your role is. You are, if you belong to Christ, all one in Him. In this great, amazing family of God. And to do anything different with that verse absolutely crushes one of the most outstanding verses in all of the scripture to bring us into unity of relationship and familyhood in the family of God. Let me just make a couple of points here. This was never, ever intended to to eliminate distinctiveness or or practical roles in life. It's not to, to transform humanity into some sort of nondescript blob where everybody gets a participation award. That's not what this is all about. It's, 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 it was never intended to erase nationalities or, or erase leadership structures or roles or gift distinctiveness or design differences or gender After Paul's conversion, wherein he wrote this, he still remained a Jew. After Paul's conversion, he still remained a man. After Paul's conversion, he still remained in his distinctive role, or was granted a new distinctive role, as apostle to the church of Jesus Christ. And in fact... To those who are careful in the translation of this text, and unfortunately the NIV has not been, I read it to you carefully. The text says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male and female, not nor. Paul is very, very particular here to maintain the original design of God In genders, in the beginning, when God was creating and when he was calling things very good, he made male and female. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the salvation that was granted to us was not intended to remove this very good plan of God to have male and female. When Before you were saved, if you were a woman, you were a woman. After you were saved, you're still a woman. And that's the way it is. So, in fact, what salvation brought by belonging in Christ is redeemed us from racism and materialism And sexism of this present evil age. That's the point. The point is in this grand family of God. We have been liberated and freed from being racists. We have been liberated and freed from being those who grant favoritism on the basis of structural positions. We are those who have been freed from demeaning the other gender. That's what we've been freed from. We've been liberated to recognize that in Christ, all of us, regardless of our gender, regardless of our social standing, regardless of our race, are equally valued by the living Christ. And we are to treat one another as if that were the status. That's what we've been granted in Christ. Races, rank, and roles remain. I'm looking out here this morning and I'm seeing a lot of differences among us. I'm seeing men and women. I'm seeing different races of people. I'm seeing different ranks, different status, different giftedness in this amazing Gathering of unity in Christ. That's the beauty of this. That's what's been granted to us here. Neither your blood, nor your birth, nor your basic anatomy, affects your status or your standing before God. They mean nothing in terms of standing, but they do not cease to mean something. What matters is being in Christ. And then whatever race you are, whatever social standing you have, whatever gender you are, you are one with me in Christ. And wherever we go, wherever in the world we go, in whatever setting we're in, it's that you're Christian that matters first. Who are you? I'm a Christian Canadian. Who is someone else? I'm a Christian Brazilian. Who is someone else? I'm a a Christian Francophone. I I don't know. Got some of those in here this morning too. I heard some French in here. I heard some speaking in tongues here this morning. (laughs) For the service. It's it's the, the upside is that what no other social order can do what no other leadership idea can bring Jesus Christ can Jesus Christ can cause to happen on our in our world what no other movement or ism can do and that is to bring races rank and gender together In one amazing family of God. That's the beauty of belonging to Christ. And so, surely, the Apostle Paul was reacting to a Pharisee prayer. And the Pharisee prayer went this way. I thank thee, God, that I am a Jew and not a Gentile. That I am a man and not a woman... That I am a free man and not a slave. Surely, that's precisely what the Apostle Paul was attacking. There will be none of that in Christianity. None of that in Christianity. We will sit down and we will eat together. We will serve the Lord together. We will love one another In ways the world can't even imagine. That's what belonging to Christ is all about. And there's a fourth here, and with this we'll wrap it up. Finally, there are moments when I wonder what it it would be like to know somebody who has a massive amount of money. Ever wondered about that? What it would be like to to be like really buddies with um, with um, I don't know Warren Buffett. And his forty-nine billion dollars or Bill Gates and his 61 billion dollars you ever you ever thought about what it might be like just to be like a cousin or something and and like a favorite cousin Uh, sometimes I think about things like that and I just wonder is there somewhere in our family line is there some connection somewhere you know we're all supposed to be only seven degrees disconnected from anybody so surely somehow we're connected to Bill Gates but but I've often wondered about that but think about this What would it be like to be related to the one who actually owns all that they own? Because that's who you are, you know. If you belong to Christ, what's it say in this verse? If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You have now inherited the ultimate prize status, heirs of the living God's bequest. God the Father leaves all that he has to you. You are heirs. Now, it was always, the prize status was always to be the seed of Abraham. Why? Because the seed of Abraham, it was the promise was that, that through Abraham's seed, singular, through Abraham's seed in Genesis chapter 12, all the world would be blessed, and so the great promise that we're talking about here, according to the promise of being an heir, is this. That if you are family, if you are kin to that seed through which all the world will be blessed, and that seed being Jesus Christ, if you are kin to him, then you are, according to the promise, granted the status of heir. ...inheritor of all that God possesses. Can you believe it? You, you, you understand the nature? Can you comprehend? I mean, when you, you think about, oh, wouldn't it be cool to be Bill Gates' heir? Wouldn't it be cool to be Warren Buffett's heir? Listen, the coolest thing to be in all of the world... ...is to be heir of the living God through Jesus Christ. If you belong to him, the one who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills then you are heir right now, this morning, to every blessing of God. You are heir to all of the goodness of God. What does that mean to us? It means that every moment of our lives, in distinction to those who do not belong to God, who are under the curse of God, we are lavished every moment of our lives with the full goodness and full blessing of the God who owns everything in the universe. And we are therefore freed by this inheritance, because I've always thought, wouldn't it be so cool? Just pile the money on, Lord. And I'd love to give it all away. I'd love to be giving people stuff and all that. Well, that's exactly who we are. We have been Loaded and lavished with all the blessings and goodness of God. And in turn, we are invited to lavish people with the goodness and blessings of God every day of our lives. That's our status. I, I know, like it's, it's almost too hard to comprehend. The four big deals this morning are just so much. That's just a little tiny bit of the scripture. Of what we have belonging to Christ. Musicians, join me here this morning as we close. What every one should want is a relationship with God whereby he lavishes on you his blessing. And that issue is how do you acquire that? By belonging to Jesus Christ by faith alone. That's it. And then you have it all. So if you have all that God has, we need to stop our foolish human strivings and our jealousies and our our quests and our fights for power, who has it and who doesn't have it. If you belong to Christ you have resident in you all the power of the universe. If you have the living God resident in you, you have all that you could ever want or need. So stop being like children and settling for foolish human strivings and longings and things. And aim for what you have. The greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In a moment I'm going to pray. And I'm going to just open up a broad call to the church, to the group who are here this morning, to the gathering of people here who are here this morning. The invitation this morning that is open is is broad in the sense that it's all about belonging to Christ. If you belong to Christ, I'm inviting you to embrace all that you should have in Him. Now, first of all, there might be some people here this morning who don't belong to Christ. You've never, by faith, turned your life over to Jesus Christ. You've never recognized that He died on the cross for your sins, that you could have your sins forgiven, and that you could come to Him and receive forgiveness and have a relationship with Christ. You've never done that. You could do that this morning. Today, you could leave here belonging to Christ. And all of that could be yours. There are some of you here this morning who've been fighting off the command of the Lord Jesus Christ to be baptized. I'm, I'm by God's authority, commanding you this morning to obey the truth of the Scriptures, the command of the Lord Himself. If you belong to Christ in here this morning, and you have never been baptized, we have a change of garments. We've got some dirty garments in there that represent sin, and you can walk into that baptismal tank this morning and leave here demonstrating your allegiance to Jesus Christ and the promise of a new wardrobe as adult sons of the living God. Maybe you've never joined this church as members, to come here and fully align with the church, to serve here, to serve with your full commitment, to be all in, to serve with this body of Christ, to agree on our mission, to believe in what we're doing, to seeking people in the Durham region and around the world. You come forward this morning and declare that you want to be a member of this church. I'm just saying, this morning is a is a big invitation to a big God. Belonging to Christ. I'm going to meet you here at the front. You can tell me why you came forward. If it's for baptism, I'm sending you into that room. Pastor John is going to go into the baptismal tank. And by faith, we're believing that God has candidates who are going to be baptized. In addition to those who are already have already set forth in their hearts that they will be baptized. I'm going to pray, Pastor Steve, and then we're going to... Father, this, this, is, uh, this is not about human words or anything persuasive. Lord, I just desire that this presentation would be about the power of the Lord Jesus Christ so that everyone here, everyone's faith here would rest on Christ and his power and not on anything that was said by a human being. So, Father, I pray now that you would open up the blessing of heaven, and pour out your power to draw people to make a decision to do what you're calling them to do. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You stand now. Well, well, well. Isn't God great? Church, this is what happens when we pray for God to pour out his blessing and he has poured out his blessing on us. Let's close in prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for your great love for us. Thank you that you love this congregation. Thank you that you've reached into our hearts. Thank you that you've opened up the windows of heaven and have poured out your blessing upon us. Lord, most importantly, thank you for the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, gave his life for us, that we might have life forever. Life in Christ. And Lord, I just pray for every one of, of the, uh, the people today who have testified to their love for Christ and have obeyed you, Lord. And, and the uh, promise that goes with that is the garments of Christ. I pray now that, that as they've taken on the true colors of Jesus Christ, been dyed in his clothing, I pray, Father, that, uh, that their lives will, will reflect and soar with the, uh, the uh, work and power of God in their lives as they move forward from here. Bless them, help them. I pray, Father, that, that the enemy would be pushed at bay away from them, from, from hassling them, and that you would, would enable them, Lord, to, to live in ways that, um, that uh, um, offer uh, a representation of your greatness in their lives. And I pray all of this with great thanksgiving, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord one more hand of, of, of thanksgiving and blessing.